I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. Hey, this is Jeff. In February of 2020, one of the last things TJ and I did together before COVID was to throw an epic Enneagram conference we called Liberation. In it, we elevated the Enneagram as a tool not only to see ourselves and our motives, but to see our obstacles and how to overcome them. We were very proud of this material, though we had to cancel all of our remaining 2020 events. Over the next few weeks, we will be releasing clips from that conference with the hope that not only you'll share it, but that we can begin creating our next touring event for 2022. Thank you again, as always, for listening, and may all good things be yours. Who am I? What do I want? The Enneagram suggests that the answer to these questions comes together in a certain place. Because the Enneagram is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language that motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram is a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. There are a lot of options for personality typing out there. There are different tools for helping us see ourselves more clearly. I'm sure you've heard of things. I'm sure you can name a lot of things. We've got the Myers-Briggs. We have Strengths Finders, the Big Five, uh, the Four Love Languages is a good one. Which type of kangaroo are you? Um, I got, yeah, uh, I got really into astrology for a hot minute, like, 20 years ago and I bought this big book and I got really into like having this thing describe what kind of Gemini I am. These are all different types of tools and they have specific value. And the Enneagram is just that. It's another tool. Where the Myers-Briggs and these things, they tell us how we behave, what we're like in certain circumstances. The Enneagram displays how we see the world or why we behave. It gives how we see the world. It gives our motivations a name. Because once you name your motivations, you can actually do something about it. It's a lot easier to change behavior if you change the motivation driving the behavior. Uh, The Enneagram godmother, Suzanne Stabile, tells a story about a doctor who was working with youth that had severe sight problems. Some of them were were blind. Some of them couldn't see past their nose. Some had, uh, like, shape or color dysmorphia. These different problems that that these kids were born into the world with or had trauma that, that caused them to not be able to see correctly. And this doctor decided to create glasses that would replicate what these kids experience is. And so they bring the parents in with the children and they would give the parents a set of these glasses and say, this is how your child sees the world. And inevitably, there would be tears 
all around because for the first time, the parents were able to understand that the way that their child saw was different than theirs. That their child saw a, fundamentally saw a different world than they did because of these sight problems. And now they were able to actually get a glimpse of what that experience was like for these children. Giving a name to the fact that we see differently, giving a name to how we see, helps us navigate the world. Because how we see matters, and how they see matters, and how you see matters, and how the person sitting next to you sees matters, and it's different. And the Enneagram gives us a name for that. The reasons that we do these things matters. Imagine a map. Uh, here's a map of the US coastline. Or maybe you can imagine a map of the streets of this town. Maps are made to show you where you are. Okay, so we're on 16th Street, right? Uh, but 16th is really long, so we know that we're situated between 8th Avenue and 7th Avenue. But I, wait, I thought we said 16th. Okay, now it's confusing. Uh, when people move to this town, it's, it's always really fascinating to me that it, it takes a while to understand the way that we talk about our streets. Because avenues go one way, streets go another way, but they're all numbers. Brilliant idea. <laughs> and you learn how to talk about the roads in this town by talking to other people. We know that 16th and 8th means this intersection. It does not mean the other 16th and 8th, because nobody knows what's at that intersection. We're talking about this one. There's five people having an Enneagram conference going. <laughs> yeah, it's confusing. But maps come from the experience of the people around us, the people who have been there before. And they, they help us know where we are, because they put Map makers are putting on paper what they see in the wider world. Maps tell us what to expect. And they say, given the experience of thousands of other people and those who take the time to report, this is what the world looks like. And even more, going a step farther than just locating ourselves, maps help us figure out how to get where we're going. They show us how to get from here to there. And they can show us what obstacles might lie in the way. Are there mountains? Are there rivers? Are there dragons? Are there weird streets that change names in the middle of it? And the Enneagram is just such a map. If you find it useful, it can show you where you are, how you see, what motivates you, and it can show you what you'll find when you go in the direction that you're trying to go. What lies over there and how to get to where you want to be. And it wants to start by just giving us language to understand where we are. So we're gonna build and reframe on what you might already know. Uh, and this is an opportunity to take a look at the map from the same place with new information on it. Think of like topographical maps versus street maps. One is designed to show elevation, one is designed to show streets. They're different information, but they might be about the same place. You know what I, I, hit me? Is on maps. Yeah. There are sometimes old maps that say, thar, there be dragons. Right. Yeah. And you will notice this. Dragon's going to be a big thing today. So that's the end of our polished section. We would love to give you permission 
to loosen up uh, if you haven't already, and just to prepare yourself to not only do internal work, but perhaps to kind of to speak out, um, to engage, engage the folks around you. That's some of the stuff we're going to do. We are going to do a test. Now, we know that some of you already know your type, and so let me talk to you for a second. For those of you who already know your type, that's a great thing. We're going to be presenting a bunch of stuff as we're doing the test that actually might be new to you. So I'd love for your ears to be open to the thing that you haven't heard before, because you're going to begin to see yourself on the map, and you might say, oh, I've never seen that. Oh, I've never seen that. Or maybe you've already looked at the test, and you're like, hey, this thing's kind of new. TJ and I are going to unpack that. Again, it's the case. If you're looking to find your type, there are nine types in the Enneagram, and we're going to talk about those in a minute. Um, but this is going to be our quick test. So you want to talk about intelligence centers, and then we'll, we'll start the thing? Great. So intelligence centers. There are three main intelligence centers to each person. This is uh, wisdom from all over several different uh, uh, disciplines. That's the word I was looking for. Um, so the idea is that, that we all process information in a headspace, rational, logic, uh, data-driven. We all process information in a heart space. This is emotion, sentiment, uh, the feelings of ourselves and others. And we all process information in our body. This is gut intuition. This is energy. This is the feeling of a space. Um, and we all operate out of those three spaces. And one of them is going to be dominant, one is going to be sort of medium, and one is going to be repressed. In order to get to the dominant, that's all we're going to really focus on. We're going to ask three questions. So the first would be, what do you want? And let's start with that first answer. Those who might put a check mark next to heart. If I were to say, what do you want? You might say, I actually deeply want attention. I want to be seen and validated. If I were to ask you, what do you wrestle with most? Past shame might actually come up in your heart. Uh, if I were to say, what describes you best? You may look at this and say, this is me. I'm a social person who feels my way through life. I lean into my emotions and feel social pressure. I teeter between feelings of connection and comparison. As we go through, if that is the one of the three that describes you best, we're just going to put a check mark there. Second one. So if you are mostly processing through the headspace, you might be very interested in security, safety. What keeps me protected? What keeps the people around me protected? Uh, you might want to know that things are going to be safe and stable. Uh, you might wrestle with fear the most, fear about the future. What's coming ahead and how do I prepare for that? You might describe yourself with these thoughts. I am aware of future threats. I value data and rational thinking. I hold my possessions in high regard. And possessions can mean knowledge. It can mean opportunity. It can mean physical belongings. It can mean security cameras. Can be relationship, would relationships it can be relationships, count? but that's more for the function of the relationship. Yeah, there you go. Uh, lastly, in terms of what do you want, you want autonomy. You want control. You're very aware of your body. You want to direct your own life. What do you wrestle with most? Anger will be something uh, that is either pointed at yourself, pointed at other people, or something that you're really trying to keep down. Uh, what describes you best? My actions focus on maintaining control. I trust my intuitions. My identity is closely tied to my accomplishments. 
Okay, stance. Stance is about how you get what you want. Um, so let's talk about that. In the first column, this would be a completely separate column, by the way. So you, your answers might zigzag. But for everything that would be from I demand to aggressive, I'm going to go through that. How you get what you want, I demand it. That is, I'm outgoing and forward when getting those things that I care about. When you walk into a room like this one, is it the case that you think to yourself, I'm the center, I'm what's important here. Everything meaningful is probably going to be in relation to me. It's been the, the, the least prideful way. It's just that's, that's how your energy functions. Lastly, I sometimes have trouble processing feelings and, and caring about the feelings of others. If that would describe you and how you get what you want, we're going to check mark that. Next column. It also might be the case that you earn the things that you want. Uh, do you resonate with the idea that you are reactive to the energy of others, working hard to merit what you need? When you walk into a room with others, you would first think, how can I meet the demands of others? How can I be a responsible person in this space? You might have trouble getting your head around issues and doing productive thinking. Everyone thinks, some people do not think productively. If you don't think productively, this might be you. <laughs> Lastly, between I withdraw and withdrawn, um, when you, uh, how do you get what you want? Take a step back into an inner space or to avoid stress and get what I care about. I am not part of what's going on here. I need to observe to know where I fit might be your posture when walking into a room. Lastly, I sometimes have trouble getting out of my imagination and into action. Let me do something. For those of you who know, see, I don't do productive thinking. Check. Um, <laughs> for those of you who are familiar with your type, you will notice that between a he, uh, attention and heart, this would be you who are twos, threes, and fours. For those of you who, between security and head in the intelligence center, this would be fives, sixes, and sevens. For those of you, autonomy to body, you would be eights, nines, and ones. These would be descriptions of perhaps the inner life, the glasses of those types. When going to stance, it's a different set of numbers and different set of combinations. Aggressive types are threes, sevens, and eights. Reactive earning types are ones, twos, and sixes. Withdrawn, withdrawing types, that was circular, uh, are what, uh, four, fives, and nines. The, we can begin to see, if you're already familiar with this, see yourself on the map, and these may be a few more details in terms of writing in your own map and seeing yourself. If you flip over the sheet, it will say coping style. You want to do the first coping style? It should also be noted that, that a, lot of the, a lot of these are not hard and fast rules. They're, they're describing generally most of the time. Pick the one that feels most familiar. And if you are vacillating between two, that's fine. Sometimes it takes people months or years to figure this out. The goal here is more self-awareness. If you do not leave here today knowing exactly what your type is and what the plan is for the future, that's okay. We're all in that boat. Nobody knows what the future is. is is doing to us. So, uh, I'm teaching this stuff and I have no idea what I want, yeah. to be honest with you. So we're, we're, we're all just trying to figure out generally where we're at. And uh, it's also often the case that sometimes you try on a pair of glasses and see if they work for a while, and then you figure out that the prescription might be a little bit wrong, so you need to get a different set of glasses. 
Does that make sense? Okay, so coping style. This is about how we fight. What happens when we're facing conflict? How do I respond when I do not get what I want? Sometimes, if you're like me, you take on a positive outlook. This is twos, sevens, and nines. So a positive outlook. There is no problem here. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, how do you cope with conflict? You take the optimistic road and you avoid the negative. Makes sense if you know about twos, nines, and sevens? Sort of like saying, there is no problem here. Or we're going to get through this and it's all going to be all right. During difficult times, you may want to feel good. So you embrace the uplifting aspects of your life. If that seems more like you, that box deserves a check mark, positive outlook. Big idea for the next column is that when you don't get what you want, you are going to shut down your emotions, set aside your emotions, because the way to get what you want is to solve the problem. So you're going to address things with your head. This is going to be called the competency triad. You're going to, for example, when you cope with conflict, push aside feelings, which get in the way, and you focus on either the goal or the data or what's right. Uh, during difficult times, you might say, I set aside my feelings because they get in the way of what's, in, what's most important. If that's true of you, check mark. And that's threes, fives, and ones. Yes. Thank you. And some people, when they don't get what they want, they let others know that they're bothered because they want to address the relationship that might be damaged. This is fours, sixes, and eights. How I cope with conflict might be that I express how I'm feeling so that I can read and get a response from others. I want you to know how I'm feeling, and I want you to tell me how you're feeling. During difficult times, I need to know, I need others to know how I feel, and I want them to feel the way that I do. This group is the emotional reaction group. This is how they solve conflict. They address the relationship. One of the things, this should, should be stated because we're doing typing, this is unfortunately not a hard and fast science. On a secondary side, many of the things that are most important in life, love, meaning, value, are not hard and fast sciences. You cannot point to goodness in the world anywhere. You cannot point to meaning in the world anywhere. But they're real, and they take a different sort of posture towards finding them. Fortunately or unfortunately, that's often how Enneagram works. It's a wisdom. It's a way of, this is how I see the world. But as we've said in the past, the pattern routinely emerges in all cultures across the globe in all periods of time. You yeah. quoted somebody in there and said that all models are flawed, but some are useful. Ooh, yeah. there you go. That's a great line. Just in case anybody didn't hear that, all models are flawed but some are useful. So as it stands, do your, do your best on, on finding yourself on the map. Um, and unfortunately, neither teacher and I can show you where you are on the map. We can just talk about the details of the map. And as we go, we'll, we'll figure it out together. Lastly is affect groups. Affect groups is how you connect with others, how you connect with the world. These might apply to, to how you connect with your car. The first relation, uh, the first column Relationists, how you connect with others. The way you connect with others is you provide a necessary function. Perhaps you're, you provide care, you provide insight, you provide protection. 
when those relationships go badly, you have a posture that you expect the rejection of other people. When you're unhealthy in a relationship, you may find yourself repressing your inner life in order to get that thing you want. Twos, fives, and eights are the relationists. Two, five, eight. Uh, Sometimes people connect with others by making practical, sustainable connections to ensure that they get what they need. Uh, When those relationships start to go badly, the relationship might start to become more transactional. I give you something, you give me something back. And when you're unhealthy in those relationships, you might find yourself simply attaching to those who feed your needs and detaching from those who don't serve a function. This is threes, sixes, and nines. Call these the pragmatists. I identify as nine, uh, and when I was in high school, I didn't have a car or a license, so I used my friends for rides to all the places that I needed to be. And the reality is I wanted to hang out with my friends, but I also needed to get somewhere that I couldn't go on my own. So I would attach myself to people who could give me those rides. It wasn't that I needed a ride. It was that I wanted someone that I cared about to help me. So I would attach and pick up people that could help me do that, and also I enjoyed their company. So that's that relationship. And when those relationships became unhealthy, all I needed was the ride. I got in a lot of trouble with a lot of friends because that's what they felt like. But the reality was I actually legitimately wanted to spend time with those people, but I also needed a ride. (laughs) So it's attaching to not just people, but to to objects, to to services, to, to organizations. What is going to give me the thing that I need in a practical sense? and just attaching to those things and developing relationships in that way. Lastly, idealists. Um, How you connect with others. I have big expectations and tend to elevate the way the details of my relationship should be. When relationships start going badly, it's because others don't meet my needs or my ideals. I'm sorry, my ideals. Lastly, when I'm unhealthy in a relationship, I find myself being frustrated by those around me. These are ones, fours, and sevens. That applies to you. Go ahead and check that box. Um, We're at that spot. We're going to do the answer sheet. Here's how this should work. Follow me for two seconds. This will be the first time. You guys are our beta testers. You guys are super special. So for you threes, you are so important to us right now. Um, (laughs) Circle. So this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I am part of the body. I answered most on body. So I'm going to circle all of the body here. I registered highest on reactive. So there's three reactives. I'm going to circle all three of the reactives in the reactive column, right? Um, coping style, that competency thing, that hit me. That was, that pushed a button. I tell you what. Competency. So I'm going to circle those. And then lastly, my type uh, idealist was what saying most to me. What should happen then? is that you have four check marks. What we're gonna do, actually in this next section, we are gonna describe nine sets of glasses. And it's again the case that we would love for you to listen for yourself. We're gonna pick this up again next week. 
Until then, this might be a good opportunity to take some time to think about those questions. How do I take in the world around me? How do I get what I want? What do I do when I don't get what I want? How do I relate to the things and people around me? As always, you can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram. And if our work brings your life value, the best thing you can do is share our podcast with one person you care about. He's TJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. And I'm Jeff Cook. And who you aren't isn't interesting. Be who you are. Because that's where the gold is. Morning will come burning. Burning.